patience with me this morning. Um, as we, uh, as I thought about um, this day and a day of blessing and commissioning um, these young men and women um, out into the world and uh, all that God has for them as Heath just prayed, um, um, the Lord just brought me to Isaiah 55. And, uh, and so that's uh, where we're going to be. And there's a Bible under the first seat of every row if you'd like to follow along with us um, in Isaiah. Um, and reading this chapter. Um, it's our practice uh, here at the, the Parks Church to uh, typically work our way through books of the Bible. Um, uh, today is a special day, of course, and so um, we're spending some time uh, just briefly here uh, in Isaiah. Uh, one day, um, when you guys have even longer patience, I suppose we'll work our way through the book of Isaiah, but that's a, it's a long one. So, uh, for now, we'll just have one chapter. Um, before I, uh, I get to that, I want to just thank um, Heath and Stacy um, and um, their just uh, leadership and, and service to uh, prepare this day along with Caitlin uh, Martin, our ministry assistant, just a, a special day for us. And so as a dad, um, obviously I have a responsibility here uh, as uh, one of the pastors of this church, but as a dad, this is a really special day. And so I'm extremely, extremely grateful. Um, and really for all the student leaders who have poured into uh, these kids, as uh, Heath acknowledged, you guys are awesome. Um, and you have loved, yeah. I said this this morning, but it's worth repeating that, um, you know, I look at this group of seniors, um, and I'll just, uh, this is a word of exhortation for you that have uh, kids that are younger than us, um, young kids maybe not even yet in our student ministry, um, but the thing that I uh, have the most hope in, that gives me the greatest peace as a dad is knowing um, that those young people that stood before you have a love for the church, um, a desire for the church, and that's been modeled by their parents. That starts at home. Parents, the way that you think and live out and serve as a part of the body of Christ is caught by your kids. And these kids have had parents, and as a byproduct themselves, have become students who serve the church. Every single one of them has served in some capacity in this church. And so as we send them out, we don't send them out wondering what might happen to them. We have the joy of being able to say we send them out knowing that they have a love for Christ's church, and wherever the Lord might lead them, they will find his body, they will join in, and they will find a way to serve that body there, and, and, and that will provide them a new faith family, uh, new protection and guidance. And so uh, those of us, and I have younger sons as well, uh, those of you with younger children, I can't encourage you, exhort you enough um, to make uh, the body of Christ, this faith family, and if not this faith family, a faith family somewhere, a priority in your life, and train your children um, uh, to love uh, the Lord, but also to love His church um, and to serve in it. It is a, a great joy, and it just gives us so much peace. So you heard Isaiah 55 that was read for us, and Isaiah 55 is an invitation from God to enjoy in His abundant blessings. 
And so for seniors, I want you to uh, take this passage to heart, this text, and I want to invite you to remember and continually remind yourself to enjoy His abundant blessings. And for everyone else in the room, this isn't just for the seniors, that we also are invited to enjoy in the blessings of God. God is a generous and compassionate and faithful God. And so we have the, the, the joy of just being able to come in and, and take what He freely offers to us. And of course, the only way that we can truly and fully enjoy God's abundance and His blessings is that we turn away, as He says here in the early verses, from seeking blessing and seeking happiness and joy from a broken world that cannot offer it. This world has many things to offer, but everlasting, eternal joy that is not hindered or contingent upon circumstances is found only in the Lord. And so I'm going to read for us. It's a short chapter. I'm just going to read for us the entire chapter. It was read the first three and a half verses, uh, or two and a half verses, and I'm going to read uh, all of it so we can just once again hear uh, God's Word and allow it to wash over our hearts. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples, Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return empty." But it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn, come up the cypress. Instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. This, ver- this chapter could be divided into two halves. The first five verses of this text remind us to remember and enjoy God's provision and ultimately the covenant that He made with us. In the second half, it calls us to repentance and to also remember the covenant. It calls us to follow Him and to trust in what He says. So as we work our way through, come everyone who thirsts comes to the water. 
And notice what he invites us to do. He says that he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without a price. God's word invites us to not waste our life on worthless things. But to rather and to enjoy the things that God gives to us that have no earthly price. Verse 2, it says, why do you spend your money? He asked the question, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? How often have you gone to a restaurant, you had the meal and you went and you got the tab, you paid the tab and you left there and you thought, that was not worth the price. I paid way too much for that food that was warmed up and just was frozen moments ago. Or perhaps maybe you've gone to some place, some attraction or something like that, a show, and you've thought to yourself, I paid all of this money to go and see this show or to go and participate in this attraction or whatever, and you leave there and you think to yourself, that was not worth the price of admission. So often we find ourselves, we spend and we do all of these things chasing after happiness and joy and things that will satisfy us. And then we find that they don't satisfy us at all. That's a picture of life. All too often he asks the question that why do we spend our money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? He's saying to us, and seniors, this is worth remembering, don't waste your money, don't waste your time, don't waste your treasure on worthless things. And parents, if we have spent our life trying to provide our kids with worthless things, why would we think that they are going to leave our care and go pursue the Lord? We've trained them. We can just buy happiness. We can buy our way into something that the Lord does not promise. No, he says, Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wine and milk, those things that satisfy an illusion for the Lord. Come and take and see that I am good, he says. He promises us that he is worth it all. Don't spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for those things that don't satisfy. Rather, Give your heart fully to the Lord. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? This week, I expect that in some way or another, you were reminded that you weren't fully satisfied in life. There was something there that you wished you might enjoy. Perhaps there was a relationship scenario, a situation, whether with a friend or a spouse, and you found yourself thinking, I wish that there was, you know, Happiness. I wish there was peace here. Perhaps a job that you thought would provide you with everything that you needed, whether it be financially or otherwise, has let you down once again. Again, friends and family do the same. So often we turn our hearts and we go and we pursue these things that don't satisfy. And the Lord is saying to us all, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters and drink. Because God does satisfy, and he gives us everlasting joy. And that's what he says in verse 3, incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live. 
Incline your ear. Come and listen. Listen to me. Listen to what I have to say. Listen to this word that I am sharing with you right now. And I'm not saying I as Ryan here, but listen to what God is saying. Incline your ear to hear from his word that your soul might live. See, the reason that we make this exchange so often and we try and buy the things that won't satisfy and we miss the meal that God provides is that we're not listening to his word. We're not hearing from him. And so we try and we go out and we strive and all really that we're after is we're looking for life and we look for life in the wrong places. We're looking for life in a place that it doesn't exist, the brokenness of this world. Every single day in some way or another, we're reminded that things aren't as they should be, that things are messed up, that things are broken. Again, that will manifest itself in some way or another. Perhaps you faced, again, challenges in relationships, challenges in jobs, challenges in friendships, challenges in your living situation. What, I, I couldn't even imagine all of the things that you might be facing or the questions and the doubts that have come across your minds this week, but there's something in your heart that has reminded you that things aren't as they should be, and so you go out and you think, this is the remedy. If this would happen, then I will be satisfied. If this would take place, then I'll find joy and happiness. And God says to us, no, you can't buy that happiness. You can't buy the things that you want. You know where you can get them? You can get them for free from me as you incline your ear to come and hear my word that your soul may live. Whether you know it or not, whether it's been recognized mentally and made its way deep into your heart, all that we are after is life. We want to survive. I can't remember the guy's name. I should have looked it up just moments ago, but we've heard the stories of men. I just heard another one this last week of people who have cut their arms off to survive you may have seen the movie where his, the, the, the guy's rock climbing, the, arm, the, the rock falls on his arm, and he knows his only way to live is to sever his own arm. Just this last week, I heard the news story of a farmer who fell into a hole, and he had to sever his own leg. Ladies, I know you're getting a little queasy. I apologize. But the reality is we have this desire, this hunger. We have this, this built-in natural Evidence that we want to live and survive. And our souls want the same thing. We are looking for life. And so we go and we try and find life any place that we can. And the enemy in this broken world is a smorgasbord of offering. And students, as you step out into the world and you're going to leave the protection and the provision of your parents' homes one day, where you've been sort of insulated from that smorgasbord, you haven't seen and heard and tasted all of the things that the world has to offer, you're going to have to discern, is this where I'll find an attempt to find joy and happiness, or will I trust the Word of God and listen to what He says and say, no, I won't try and buy bread that won't satisfy. I won't labor for that which does not satisfy, but I'll incline my ear to hear from the Lord that my soul might live. And as he invites us to hear from, from him, and he tells us and reminds us that, he is, um, that through listening to him, our souls may live, he says that he will make an everlasting covenant. And he points to David. David, a man after God's own heart, 
who was the one who he made a covenant with. And he says that I will make you a king and I will make you a nation. And he reminds us of his covenant with David in verse 4. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. God made a covenant with David. In the same way, he says, if you'll listen to me, I will, let your, I will give you life and your soul will live. The covenant maker, the one who keeps the covenants, and he showed that and he proved that through David. And for those of us on this side of the New Testament, he showed that to us through Jesus, who David was just a pointer to. David in his life was pointing to Jesus. That covenant is an everlasting covenant. It is sure It is steady. It is a foundation that our lives can be built upon. And the one who made that covenant with us is saying to us, come, listen, hear from me, and I will make you a people. Look at this room as just evidence this morning. As these seniors stood before us and parents gathered around and student leaders, we are a people Did we form ourselves? One of the greatest joys of my life as being able to serve this church as a pastor is to see the family of God being brought to life. Seeing people who did not know one another or perhaps they knew one another but have been knitted together in a brother and a sisterhood that cannot be broken as a family. He has formed us and made us into a people People called Christians. And that's not just true for this church, but he has built the larger church, the kingdom of God, the people of God are being built and established all over this world. In places not like Melissa, Texas, where the word of God is illegal. In places where his name is, has to be whispered, where they have to gather in basements to worship him. He has formed a people, a people of his own. He has been faithful to fulfill that covenant, and we get to see it here locally, and we know of it all over the globe. He's made us into a people. And so, if you ever doubt and you wonder to yourself, is God the covenant maker, a covenant keeper? Just look around you. Look up long enough and think to yourself, yeah, I used to play on the same team with that dad. Our sons played together. Yeah, we used to kind of run in the same circle, had the same play groups together when our kids were little. We were friends. We knew one another. But look as he has knitted this church and knitted the people of God around the globe as brothers and sisters and created a family. He has created for himself a people. And so he has fulfilled his promise to us. And so he invites us In the latter half of this, with that covenant in mind, with that promise in mind, he invites us in 6 through 13 to just live for him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon The word says to us to seek the Lord. You know, there's a lot of talk and questions revolving around the sovereignty of God. 
and his hand and his purpose and we ask questions and people sometimes raise doubts about how God is moving in the world. We hear, well, what about the guy that might not have ever heard of Jesus? What happens to him? What might have happened to this individual or that? What his word to us this morning is, seek the Lord while he might be, may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He is moving in our midst, and he is with us today. And so you have an opportunity this morning. We all have an opportunity this morning to seek the Lord. And then he invites us to repent. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Here's what I can promise you. I've never known someone, I've never met an individual who sought the Lord and did not find him, who submitted their hearts, and as the first few verses instruct us, who came thirsty to the waters of the Lord and did not find him offer a drink. The reason this is true is because the Lord seeks us before we ever are able to seek him. He comes after us. He pursues us. And as he spurs us to open the door that he's knocking upon, we find him. I mentioned just before Heath came up the testimony of our family's life and a little bit of our heritage and um, just how God has been so faithful to our family. I can testify to you, and I've said this this morning to Grayson as I gave him my blessing. I know you might think differently of me, but you think too highly. There's nothing in me that would create the young man that God has created him to be. I've done my part. I've been obedient to the best of my ability as God has called me to be as a father, but I'm a sinful, broken man who does not have the power to save my own son. But God does. God in heaven, our father, our good father does. And he has pursued his heart and he's made him his own. And I get to rejoice in that. I get to have peace in that. That's because God is faithful. And while he was able, seek the Lord while he may be found. Grayson called upon him while he was near. And we're all invited to call upon the Lord and to repent, lay down our wickedness, confess it to God, confess our unrighteousness and all of our thoughts, and turn to the Lord. And when we do that faithfully, as we lay down our sins before God, before Christ and his finished work on the cross, we find that he has compassion on us. And he abundantly pardons. Abundantly pardons. Just a word. There's somebody in this room, I have no doubt, a number this size, that is thinking to yourself, there are sins in my life. Pastor, if you knew about these, you would question. You would wonder, is there, does God love me enough? Does God care for me enough? There's no way that he if, he, if you knew what I had done, if you knew the story of my life, that's a lie from the enemy. He abundantly pardons. Return to the Lord that he may have compassion upon you and to your God, for he will abundantly pardon. 
And he does that through Christ. See, one of the things that we have to acknowledge, and the enemy tries to tempt us to think otherwise, we have to acknowledge verse 8. And this is sometimes on a coffee cup, and it's an easily, easily quotable verse, but we don't live this out in the way that we should. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, declares the Lord. Neither are your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, the sinful man who is doubting the love of God and the abundant pardon of God is thinking to himself, well, if I were God and I knew me, then there's no way that I would forgive this. Or is thinking about someone else. I understand who God is, but if he knew about this and knew about this about that person, I surely wouldn't pardon them. It's the reason that we wrestle with the idea that someone who has been convicted of a crime and finds themselves on death row can repent and be forgiven and find Christ and find everlasting life. That doesn't compute because in our human nature, in our fallen sinful nature, we don't think the way that God thinks. And praise be to God that I can't get my mind around the bigness of who God is. Can you imagine if God thought the way that we thought? It would be a disaster. I've told you and confessed many times in this church, I'm a, I'm a train wreck, I'm messed up. If the things that I thought actually took place, because guess what, when God thinks something, that's exactly what happens, you, you would have no idea. It would be very, very bad. Let's just say that. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are higher than your ways. One of the most beautiful things that we can get our minds around is the fact that we cannot think like God. We cannot operate and live like God would call us, or uh, like the, the way that he moves. We can strive for that. We ask the Lord to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, to operate and move in the world as he would have us, to see others as he sees them. But our thoughts and our ways are always going to be lower than his ways. And as we acknowledge the bigness of God and the smallness of who we are, then it leads us to worship Him and to acknowledge that He is greater. And here He reminds us in verse 10 as we continue, He reminds us of how He moves. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I know that in this time of year, we are all marveling as we've had all of the rain and all those weeds have popped up in our yards. And they're everywhere. And we are thinking to ourselves, well, we've tried to do everything that we can to kill these things, but the rain comes and the weeds sprout up. Conversely, there's times when I marvel at the fact that the rain comes and the beautiful flowers sprout up and all the good things that, are, that the Lord has provided sprout up. And I have no, I've done nothing to create that. This is what it's like with the Word of God. This is the confidence and the hope I can tell you as a preacher that I have is that his word, it says, goes forth from his mouth through this book very often, 
Sometimes through the spoken word as we are doing here this morning or in conversations with others. But the word goes out and it does not return empty. It will accomplish that which I purpose. You want to understand why even as young children from birth, being committed and faithful, a part of the church and the family of God has been something that, our, that we've just been just uh, adamant about as a family. It's not because we're more religious than anyone else. It's not because we think that we're better than anyone else. It's not because we have all of life figured out. No, we acknowledge that God's ways are higher than our ways, that his word is better than our word, and that through the washing of his word over our children's lives, week after week after week, year after year after year, it will not return void, that it will accomplish what he intends for it to accomplish. God's word will do exactly what God's word says it will do in his perfect timing. As a preacher, as I said, God's word will do what it will do. That's why I can have confidence even in my weakness, in my gifted or non-giftedness, that as I proclaim his word, whatever he intends it to do in your hearts, in your souls, it will accomplish. It's not about me. And as Heath said to our seniors, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about his ways and what he intends to do. Parents of children who have not yet followed the Lord and submitted their lives to his lordship, confessed their sinfulness, acknowledged him as Savior and Lord, let me just give you some encouragement. Continue to wash your children in the word of God. Pour out His word over them. Teach them His word. His word will not return empty. It will do what He intends it to do. And so we can have peace in that. We can have hope in that. And I'll take us back to the covenant that we read about in verse 3. In verse 12 and 13, He reminds us again of the everlasting promise He reminds us again of his ultimate faithfulness. You shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn that we experience today shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar patch that we experience today shall come up the myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The covenant that he made with David was fulfilled in Christ. And as he has invited us to submit our lives to follow Christ, he's made a covenant with us that we shall go out in joy and have everlasting peace. You want life? You want abundant life? Do you want everlasting joy? Do you want peace? Do you desire all of those things for yourself, but also for your family and for your children and for generation after generation? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you Again, we thank you for your word, your promises to us. We thank you that your word does not return void. 
God, I thank you for the joy and the peace that comes from knowing you. And I pray for every soul in this room that they would know the joy and the peace of following you. God, I ask that you would protect us from striving to buy bread that does not satisfy, food that will not fulfill us. Would you help us taste and see that you are good? Would you let the words of the song we sang be true in our hearts? Alleluia. We rejoice in knowing that all we have is Christ. The world says, yeah, I like a little bit of Jesus, but I really want all these other things. Help us to be a people that rejoice in knowing that we can have nothing, but if we have you, we have everything. Help us to let go of those things that get in the way of our pursuit of you, that get in the way of the relationship that you have invited us into. Help that song to be true of our lives. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. And he is enough. Lord, as your word has instructed us to, we confess that we are so quick to think of ourselves too highly, think that our ways are better than your ways, to think that surely we can accomplish what we want and have a little bit of what you want, but your word tells us that's not possible. So we just confess that before you. We confess our unrighteousness. We lay that down at your feet. We confess our sins to you, God, and we thank you for the abundance of your compassion, the pardon that we receive through Christ. And I pray now for any soul in this room that does not know the joy of that pardon, does not know your compassion. Would you show yourself to them, Lord Jesus? Tell them that you laid down your life on a cross 2,000 years ago to take on the wrath of God due to all sinners for all time. You took the punishment that was due to us, that was due to me. You endured that cross, my shame, for my good. And because of that, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. But there is pardon. There is peace. So I pray that anyone in this room that needs to know that Holy Spirit, reveal that truth in power this morning. Help us this morning to seek you, Lord. To chase after you, to hear you knocking at the door, to come and open it and find everlasting joy and peace. We pray all these things in the blessed name of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Every knee 
Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.